0: Events for Breakfast, your go-to guide for advice, top tips and events industry insights. My podcast is delivered in bite-sized chunks to help you digest information and expand your events expertise. Hi everybody, welcome to the podcast. I'm Kelly Frew, your podcast host, and I hope you're having a really good day wherever you are and whatever you are doing. Today's episode feels really grown up. Now, when I started out as an events organizer, I never thought that I'd be thinking about things like measurement tools to track sustainability, to track connectivity in venues, and also to predict the outcome of events. However, when we are delivering an event, we all know as events planners that we have to justify the return on investment. We have to think about what the original objectives are for an event, why we're doing them. And we have to track, we have to track things like sustainability. We have to track how we are going to measure the success of an event. Now, today I'm going to be joined by Matt Gray, who is the founder of Events Decision. So Event Decision is an industry leader in forward-looking tools for events planners. So I was really intrigued when I got talking to Matt about event decision because what they do is they help us as events planners make better decisions around reducing the risk of an event, improving the return on the the investment and they have got some really innovative tools that we're going to talk you through today. So I know it sounds very grown up but stick with us it is going to help make your events so much better. Enjoy the episode and I'll see you at the end. Matt welcome to the podcast thank you very much for joining me today.
1: It's a pleasure Kelly it's lovely to speak with you.
0: And you too so we're going to crack straight on and first of all what the listeners would like to know is can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got within the events
1: industry please. Of course, and clearly this is the the interesting bit for me and potentially for other people, Um, so I'll keep it brief, but um, actually if we go back 25 years, uh, probably to the day um, I started Bristol University and joined the RAG, which was the charity fundraising arm, the Student Society for Charity Fundraising, and Bristol Rag did this in two ways. The first way was doing the old shaking tins on the pavement. Okay. To, uh, threaten, yeah. Sorry, ask for money out of passers-by. And the second way was to put on events. Um, so we did, uh, we put on a fashion show, there's this sort of traditional rag week and covering people in baked bean baths and all that stuff. But it did give me a taste for organising events. So in fact, the day after I finished my finals uh, at, at Bristol um, started with the first agency uh, that I ever worked for, which was a mistake on that particular day, of course. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, it did start me on on the path and has kept me uh, pretty much on the straight and narrow for for twenty five years.
0: Brilliantly. So, was your? I'm assuming that your degree wasn't in event management, though, or was it?
1: Uh no, definitely no. no, <laughs> Definitely not. They didn't exist in, in no. <laughs> um, it was it was in traditional old geography with a, a fair smattering of statistics and a little bit of pure math thrown in for fun, uh, which we may revisit later, but um yeah definitely not event management and you know it's lovely to see actually that that, that those courses are making a bit of, of headway and uh, although I, I'm sure opinion is divided on their uses for getting into the industry. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now I'm, afraid I'm just a, a, a um, geography teacher at heart I suppose.
0: Oh, well everyone's story of getting into events is always different it's always interesting because like you say that you know the, the more mature characters like probably you or myself but there wasn't those um, degrees back then was there so <laughs> you know we got it into into it we fell into it so um, we're here to talk about your business which I think is really exciting and really fresh and new um, and it's event decisions so can you tell me a bit about it and what motivated you to create it please?
1: Absolutely um, and again part of this is uh, the the motivation is probably more interesting to me but hopefully from some of the things that we may discuss in the next few minutes that others may see some benefit or a need to 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 ask us to support them so I have spent 25 years agency side event management and production um, delivery operations sales account directorship more latterly kind of regional leadership I suppose one would call it um, on agency side so I've become intimately familiar with some of the issues that the likes of yourself and your other and uh, the many other talented people in our industry have on a day-to-day basis trying to put these things together yeah as we all know and as most of the non-event professionals suspect a fair amount of organizing events is not rocket science
0: no
1: um it's I'd love to have a pound for every time somebody says oh I'd love to be an event manager that sounds like so much fun (laughs) you and I know the reality of it but as they become, as our product and services become more specialized and potentially more professional, certainly than when I started in this industry, yeah. um, it's, there are some issues, there are some challenges that we have to overcome in the planning process. So as COVID decimated our industry, I think BVEP has put it as a, like a 90 percent um, downfall in yeah. revenue from 70 billion to 5 billion in 12 months, which uh, thankfully is unique in my lifetime and, and hopefully will be in many more lifetimes to come. Absolutely. Um, what, what better chance when there is more downtime, despite what many agencies have said, they have had the chance to concentrate on other things yeah. uh, and me to look at other things, um, which involved always kind of wanting to work uh, for myself to have my own baby to look after but actually not just to sell creative and yeah. they but to sell specific products that help event planners so that's where uh, the idea came from back in february of 2021 so it didn't actually launch until april so we're almost six months old now um and the first product that we came out with was uh, well it's now called connect yeah, is effectively, and it's been a little bit redundant at the end of lockdown, but it's coming into its own now. Is effectively an audit of venue Wi-Fi infrastructure.
0: Oh, it's so, so important, isn't it? <laughs> really. Uh,
1: it really. Yeah, it came from the conversations that you and I will have had many times over. Yeah. Uh, on your show round, and you say to the venue salesperson have you got Wi-Fi now? Everybody does now. Yes. Uh, Those are the conversations we used to ask. Yes. Used to ask. Have you got Wi-Fi? Yes. Can it do 100 people, 1,000 people, whatever the size of the venue? Yes, it can. And then we got used to asking, can it do 1,000 people with two or three devices each? Yeah. And now we add in audience interaction tools like Slido and so forth, the streaming in and out for your hybrid, the online registration on site in reception. The demand on the broadband has, has increased and continues to exponentially. And we've seen that in the growth of companies that supply that service to temporary venues. So attend to IT and Nova and Simplify and so forth. So. It struck us as a useful service to be able to say to a planner, actually, when you go to a venue and you're looking to do one of these, when we get back to larger events, can the infrastructure there actually support what you need to do? So we're not certifying a venue, you're not going to walk into a hotel or B venue and say, here you are, here's your certificate, your Wi-Fi is worth whatever it is, it's 80 meg up and 80 meg down, congratulations, that's quite good actually, but... (laughs) It's to go and do an audit, a physical feet on the ground with software and a measurement tool device to walk around the entire event space, including the dining hall. So that you as the planner don't get, I couldn't get onto Instagram, I couldn't do my emails, all those types of um, complaints or thoughts after the event to walk the entire space and heat map it onto the venue plan venue floor plan.
0: Um, I mean that's amazing for an event as an event manager like myself to have that um, reassurance that that work piece of work's been done especially like you say as we go into the hybrid model um, and if I think about recently when we did our launch of Iona our cruise ship and that was a, a, a virtual event as such and it was broadcast yeah. out and if it didn't go all to all of those homes and we'd done all the planning and then the wi-fi or the broadcast um digital letters down we'd have been absolutely screwed so it is so important isn't it
1: <laughs> well i hope you weren't it looks like it's, it's it was good run, <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean what we can't guarantee is that the the stream leaves the venue and reaches somebody's home and i absolutely. don't think any provider even telecoms guys that unless you've got your satellite backup and all that stuff, yeah, nobody can guarantee that. But what we can do is look at the first link and especially if it's internal, if you're going to have people downloading documents yeah. and audience response to so just make sure everything inside the venue does work and can handle that capacity. So it's quite fun. Also, the heat maps are good. Uh,
0: yeah, know, absolutely. Easy
1: to understand. So the technical report is between you and I and anyone listening, it's dull as ditch water. I mean, it's got <laughs> something like 30 different criteria to measure. They're all very exciting, like signal-to-noise ratio and transmission speeds and so forth, which actually, um, we, the value we bring is we translate that into the heat map. I
0: was gonna say, yeah, you, you put it in layman's terms for us.
1: <laughs> oh yes, and yeah, and, and you know, the interesting thing <laughs> is I've had to learn some things to do this. I've got now yeah. my Cub Scout, Sc- Cub Scout badge for Wi-Fi. Um, so you know it's it's a good tool and it's um useful to planners so that was the the first one and yeah. then we our thinking head on so right what else yeah um what else are planners struggling with and uh you know the, the term of the moment is sustainability
0: absolutely um, yeah
1: now we'll use this in terms of the environment rather than the sustainability of a business from a board's perspective but um I cannot think of any other time when I've seen more and more and more about this, how to define it, how to organize a carbon neutral event, how to mitigate, how to offset, how to do all these wonderful things. And it's brilliant. Genuinely, it's really lovely to see um, the industry emerging from hibernation, but with some new products and services to, to bring so in fact, we were talking earlier about the meeting show. This is what we're talking about, myself yeah. and three others, um, from agency and from sustainable, sustainability providers about is sustainability billable?
0: Oh, interesting, um, yeah.
1: Come and watch the session if you want to find yeah. the answer. Like <laughs> those things, it's not quite as clear cut as one would hope. Yeah. Um, but how do you measure it and you know I, I was watching a panel at um sam from the other stories uh, christmas show in london and you know the consensus there was it's really hard to measure the sustainability of an event yeah. and there's lots of tactical things we can do as planners we can ban single-use plastics we can look at carpet we can look at the you know replace with led all these things that actually we should be doing anyway this is it yeah um i I disagree with the consensus of the panel of the day, in that I think this is really simple to measure. There is a globally accepted unit of measurement for uh, emissions.
0: Yes, associated
1: yeah. With virtually anything, and it's called the CO2e, the tonne of carbon dioxide or equivalent in, measured in other gases. And there are lots of protocols to measure this stuff. The IPCC agrees with the UNFCCC, um, and there's a huge database on which to base your calculations called EcoInvent 3.6. It's the world's largest transparent carbon database. It's all there. All we have to do is take the measurements, which, you know, the, me- the, the way the measurements are calculated, that's, that can be done for you.
0: Yeah. Okay. You can
1: take that from those, some of those sources I've just mentioned and add them together. We know how much carbon is released by different classes of flying and different lengths. We know the different emissions that 2 star, 3 star, 4 star and 5 star properties emit uh, at country level on average. So you can do this on a big global basis if needs be. We know the emissions by kilowatt hour by type of electricity mix as it's generated at country level. We know all these things. So we use a calculator. Actually, it's it's a calculator that was created by a company called My Climate, who have been going 20 years in the offset business. Um, and it ticks every box you need it to in terms of ESG auditing and so forth um, and apply it to event activity. So across 45 different criteria. So we took a brief this morning for 4000 people at the O2. Yeah, in central London, we can measure that it's not happening for four months, we can measure it now and say, here is your total footprint for what you're proposing. Now let's look at mitigating it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and as I, I work for a very big, large corporation, and that is the kind of uh, measurement that we need. We, were, you know, we need to t- be able to tell that story when we're doing events nowadays, you know. Um, and especially because I work for a big cruise liner who are not always the most sustainable, we have to show how that we are, we are measuring our footprint and things. So I think that's a really interesting tool. And like you say there, we know how to do it, but as an event manager myself, I want a professional like you to come in and help me do that. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it's the, we, we call it uh, track decision because it's an event decision product. It's called track. So the idea is actually, if you, for example, here's my sales pitch, um, if you were to be hosting an event in 12 months' time, in nine months' time, in six months' time, we'll calculate what the footprint is of that event now so that you can do something about it. M-
0: mitigate it, yes.
1: Now, there's no reason... There's no law that says uh, events cannot happen in the modern-day environment. Uh, Everyone's trying to bring their carbon emissions down, and that's laudable and morally right. That's personal perspective. Um, We haven't seen much evidence of the automotive industry uh, shrinking massively in this, and we associate cars with terrible emissions.
0: Yeah, sure.
1: We still buy cars.
0: Yeah. And we
1: still fly on aeroplanes. Admittedly. We think about it more we're just or we're starting to see event decision we're starting to see event buyers put that it, it it's more than an afterthought necessarily in the rfps to agencies yeah sure so if you think back 15 years i used to answer rfps that said what do you do that's sustainable and we go our people travel to the office by tube or we, we try not to fly wherever possible uh, all these wonderful things <laughs> uh, In reality, we all put them, and did what? how much did they mean, really? Yeah. Um, The advantage of track for event decision is actually we can measure what the effect of it is, what the impact of an event is. And we are allowed to do event activity. There will be some emissions, and if you have to, and if you want to, offset what's left. But work damn hard to make sure that, that tons of CO2, or actually turn it into dollars, those dollars yeah. are reduced. Your client will love you because if they wish to offset, and they are really all being measured on this stuff now, uh, you're reducing their offset. You're <laughs> you're reducing their liability to their company. That surely is the value that you, Kelly, or other planners can bring to them.
0: Yeah, 100%. And it's all in the planning, isn't it? You know, we all we all have our calendar of events or the coming back, should I say, our calendars are starting to grow again. Um, and we know, we, as long as we, if we can do this in the planning, like you say, 12 months out, six months out, we can look at it and we can make changes before the event happens to mitigate that. So working with someone like you is perfect on that. And is there a third part to your business?
1: There is, and it's um, it's the most, uh, not the most interesting, it's one that I'm absolutely neck deep in at the moment. So yeah. um, one of the issues that I always used to come across when I was agency side was return on investment. Yeah, uh, Clients probably have some of their own measures. For an agency guy like me, it was always the holy grail. How do we show the client what they get for spending their X million pounds yeah. with us, Let's hope. Um, And it's always really difficult to measure. Now that's right up our street. We love measuring things. So um, the truth is anything is measurable, tangible or intangible. And we'll see that the, and I saw an interesting term, I think they're called DEPs, Digital Event Platforms, but that's just called platforms like uh, Intrado or Cvent or VII or or any of that lot. have different ways to measure return, which they call return on engagement by numbers of clicks or number of downloads or the amount of chat, or so forth. Um, we're taking a slightly different approach. The product, the product uh, is and will be uh, called Predict and it is coming out, uh, let us say November. No, let us say by the end of the year. Um, and there's a lovely backstory to it because we're ab- what we're able to do is to look into the future. Right. what return your event or your activity might generate, and what are the chances of generating that return?
0: Yeah.
1: Now, I was talking to someone last week, and they said, oh, it's AI, and it's blah, blah, blah. Actually, it's not. Um, the tool itself uh, was developed in 1939 by the scientists who uh, were, uh, whether you agree with it or not, were part of the Manhattan Project, um, building the atomic bomb. Yeah. Um, And at that time, uranium was in quite short supply. So they couldn't run simulations for real. So they developed a statistical tool called the Monte Carlo simulation, uh, named after one of the uncles of the scientists who was a big gambler um, in Monte Carlo, uh, which is, uh, it's, uh, I I find it fascinating, but then this is my kind of thing. Um, When you're planning an event, Kelly, you might look at, your income from tickets and partners and sponsors yeah your costs, which would be your venue your audio your marketing costs and so forth and you put them on the back of an envelope or in a really nice easy excel spreadsheet and you add up one column and you add up the other column and you see if you're going to make a profit
0: yes absolutely. That's the purpose
1: of your event yeah if the purpose is to communicate a message there's other ways to measure that yeah but, um that's let's call that uh, one iteration number one go and then you go well what if we don't quite make as much money as we had hoped yeah or the costs spiral god forbid that should happen in an event <laughs> planning process so then you've got an entirely different set of data and you've got a kind of best case and worst case but there are of course many many cases in between that and how do you measure that so what the Monte Carlo simulation does, and it's what we'll be offering at, at Predict through PREDICT, is to have your inputs as a range. We might make between X pounds and Y pounds in um, revenue, and our costs might be between A and B. Yeah. And then we run that as a simulation probably 10,000 times, um, and it will produce you a lovely curve we call the normal distribution of the likelihood of different outcomes
0: oh wow
1: and it's I mean it's it's not magic it's not AI it's it's statistics in action um and you can then look at it if you're an in-house planner you can say we're going to spend 10 million dollars on this event yeah 60 percent chance it's going to lose money or not communicate the right message to yeah. as many people as we want it to. Or if you're an agency, you can go to your client and say the same types of things. Yeah. Or we'll use it even earlier as an agency and say, "Should I respond to this pitch?" I mean, it's Very a big mid-
0: point. Yeah.
1: Pound budget. This is good for most agencies. It's going to cost us fifty thousand in pitch costs ish. Yeah. The nice thing is, it takes account of all the issues It might cost us about fifty grand. The revenue might be about this. The time involved will be roughly these number of hours and times. And it produces you. So you can then make the decision on your attitude to risk. So you might think, well, do you know what? We've got a quite a couple of months and I can get freelance labour quite cheaply to yeah. produce this. And that's great. Let's. We really want that logo on our webpage. Let's do it. Or vice versa. And you might think this is going to be quite expensive. It doesn't quite align with us and so forth. We're not going to do it. Yeah. And agency owners, I think, have been making these on the on gut feel for a long time. And that's fine if you're talking about five grand here and five grand there, no doubt. But sometimes these gigs are somewhat larger than that, as you know. Uh, And, you know, it's not an unknown technology. This is being used today by pension companies, investment companies, oil and gas companies. If Vodafone want to put a new mast up, they run the Monte Carlo scenario. They know roughly how much it'll cost, but they don't know because there's lots of unknowns around local objections and the type of the ground and the blah blah blah. And they know roughly how many more subscribers they might get. They run this type of scenario. Um, it's a miracle to me that somebody isn't doing this already um i'm I
0: literally was just about to say that because when i think about um the, the industry the events industry in particular like you say a lot of it is te- is done on risk is taken or decisions are made on gut feeling isn't it and actually you you are you are giving a tool here which it sounds like other industries are, are far ahead of us do you feel the events industry are well behind on, on using tools like this
1: yes, yes. <laughs> simple answer it's yeah. a bit like the um track decision product product we just talked about in sustainability. Other yeah. industries have, have advanced themselves in terms of professionalism, if you like, or in technical ability to make decisions. Yeah, uh, you know, the, the finance industry is streets ahead on uh, on predicting and, and running these, these models. Um, perhaps because events, it's not the biggest industry in the world. I mean, we yeah. love to tell the government when we were struggling, that we're worth 70 billion. Well, that's a drop in the ocean to, a, you know, the finance or the automotive exactly. or the farmer. Yeah. Uh, does that make us any less important? No, it doesn't. God damn, we make these things happen for other people. Yeah. Um, but sometimes the numbers involved are quite big. If you ask a Microsoft or a Salesforce or an Amazon or whatever, what they spend on their events, live event marketing programs, is perhaps a, more, a better term. It's, it's a that's lot huge. of money. Yeah. Um,
0: definitely it is and uh, coming out of the pandemic or, or when we come out of it um as a to build the events industry into a more credible industry as a whole and be seen as a grown-up it feels like you, we do need to use some of these tools that you're talking about to make sure that we are up there with the big boys
1: well we hope so yeah <laughs> <laughs> we've taken a calculated risk on setting these things up yeah. and actually there's nothing wrong with gut decisions Kelly because um Uh, gut decision is based on experience and experience is effectively a sample of the entire population but our experience stands us in good stead it's why we don't sort of stand in front of rhinoceroses or rhinoceri um (laughs) our experience is 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 limited so hopefully for agencies for platform suppliers for venue planners and for in-house planners you know these tools will um, either just help guide decision making yeah the name event decision uh, or back up your original and the cost of yeah. running things is negligible compared to even event budgets so uh, you know if you want reassurance and confidence and so forth in your decision making in the calls that you're making whether they're you know like I'm, I'm tapping my chest gut feel about some of them then you can use these tools or if you're unsure use the tools and they'll point you in the right direction.
0: And I'm assuming, though, um, like you are there to guide an event planner through the whole process, because like you say, some, sometimes event planners, you know, statistics and ROI and measurements and things like that are not really right up there, up their street, are they? But we all, we all know it's really important. We know it is important. We know we've got to do reports to our senior teams and stakeholders to show different uh, why decisions have been made. So what what service do you provide? Is it a full service all the way through, hand-holding all the way
1: through? <laughs> It's it's a it's a good question, Kay. Um, as much as we'd like to automate the process as much as we can, yes. we've seen in other areas of events. Look at venue finding; they, they were huge, and the teams are building up again. Yeah. Venue finding needs a human touch it does Uh, there are some tools from Cvent and the like which try and automate it but at the end of the day even with those the the venue sales planner needs to press buttons to go does this fit with our inventory
0: yeah
1: Uh, same for for agencies and exactly the same for us there is normally well not normally there is a process where we take a brief we run the predict model we have to go to the venue to do the wi-fi survey yeah. we do the carbon calculation in fact this is a difference between us and some others we do the carbon calculation as a third party yeah has some benefits in itself it does um for you because we know you're time strapped um, and potentially kind of technically strapped in some of these tools so we do do it for you the turnaround is fast and we present it back to you in event language nice rather than in uh, a technical report technical on
0: jargon which we have no idea how to read
1: <laughs> yeah. so when it comes out you'll find that it's and in fact now is I mean it's going to be great for looking at the balance between in person and virtual yeah different cost points different effects you No know, reach engagement and so forth you'll be able to look at it and go should we do 100 live and a thousand online or vice versa and what is the cost effect and what is the benefit of each of those because there'll be a sweet spot for what you are looking to get from your event
0: yeah and I, I assume as, as well as um feeding back on the reports taking out all the technical jargon that we just don't understand you make recommendations you you talk about the best recommendations for that event and understanding the brief and what, what we're trying to achieve
1: absolutely so yeah. for all three so for for wi-fi god forbid the venue wi-fi should fall short of what you need yeah with our our report is only three pages long unless you want the full technical. Uh, with that, if it falls short, or if we think it falls short, or if you have a concern, with it will come a quote from an accredited supplier to, yeah. to boost it. On the sustainability one, the um, track decision, it's, it's patently obvious where most of these emissions are coming from. Yeah. That depends on the size of an event. If it's a global event, it'll be flights uh, if people are going. Um, but you can you can look at the the infographics we provide and you'll be able to see so there are a, a lot of hugely brilliant creative agencies, both in its kind of net zero and green events, uh, and the expertise is growing in in larger agencies. Yeah, established agencies as well who can help you on that that tactical level. So we're not really a consultancy to say you need to do ABCDEFG or some ideas. It is it's very obvious from the report what you should be doing. You should do kind of up to you what you want to do. The same with the predict tool. It's if we come back and say the sweet spot for you is three hundred in person and three thousand online to achieve what you want to achieve at that. And, and it's a good balance of costs and your fixed budget is this. So yeah. within that, you should do that. Um, you're not obliged to do it. It's entirely up to you. We yeah. just offer the, the, the data and the advice. Um, and of course, we don't expect anyone to, unless you want to uh, understand the, the kind of statistical modeling yeah. um, behind it. But we, and we will work hard, we'll work with you obviously we work hard with you but hard to <laughs> if you're going to if you're unsure of what figures or numbers to put in at which point we will help you with yeah. that um so you know all three are designed as i said the to, to help event planners make better decisions and uh it is beginning to do so so as i said we're four months old uh, yeah five months old probably yeah talk Uh, to
0: me about what you've been doing what like what what how have you been helping
1: well the you know the uh, track is is beginning to take off so in the last uh I forget what day it is it is whatever day anyone is listening to it on within the last five days we've looked at uh, a trans the, the opportunity for a client to hold something in Europe or the US and the impact on the emissions on the flight rationale for that nice. we had an agency looking at a venue in London and a venue out of London and to compare the footprint between those two and what's lovely is the client made a decision on the back of that information That's alone brilliant. Um, again it won't surprise you that the in London one had a reduced footprint because of the travel. Travel, but We were able to put dollar amounts in the saving because they wanted to offset. Um, we looked, we were briefed this morning on one at a huge concert venue in London for 4,000 people. What is the impact and how can we start to mitigate it? So I think part of the battle for event decision or for the industry as a whole is to try and um, articulate how do we measure the sustainability of an event? Everybody seems to want it. Nobody yeah. can say no to sustainability, maybe in their right mind, I think, anyway. Um, and in fact, just before we started talking today, there's a, an agency called Reset Connect. Um, we're talking about this very thing. And uh, they had the non-exec director of Moonpig and Finity Water and Octopus Energy and so forth on there. And you know, we're not the only industry struggling with this some of this yeah I think we're behind most other industries because our product is so dynamic no two events are the same no two footprints can do the same whereas an energy company can measure across you know swathe of customers and, and average it out um we cannot
0: yeah
1: the different customers in different everyone's areas. different but the technology the know-how the expertise the unit of measurement uh, the audit facility so all these larger client organisations do have to report on their what they call ESG. Um, for us, that's usually environmental effects, and it has to be audit proof. So everything exists to be able to do that. We're just all not we, the industry, events industry, is just learning and just picking up on how to do this. But it is possible. It is possible to do it as we offer from a planning perspective. Hey, let's try and. Uh, increase our confidence in some of the decisions we make around sustainability, around connectivity and around <laughs> predicting what the outcomes will be. Um, but, you know, it's also possible to audit the, the carbon trail of a physical event. Go and look at how many croissants were served. Yeah. Measure them. That's not necessarily our business. But, our, you know, our industry is, is uh, a bit of Wild West at the moment, especially with the influx of these digital platforms. I agree. Uh, uh, huge growth from them, uh, corresponding to the huge um, uh, shrinking in the physical event environment, but we will grow together and, uh, you know, we're looking, to, it's a different conversation around how in life and virtual will end up in 5, 10, 15 years' time. Exactly. Yeah you know I think both are here to stay and we're all beginning to accept that
0: oh we are 100% and what from if I've got a, you know a lot of my listeners are events planners or events managers like me or head of events or whatever and if they're listening to this and thinking oh I don't need to worry about all this you know I, I've just put my events on and um I'll just, I'll just run the events because that's not my you know I don't need to worry about the measurements the tracking of the sustainability and things like that what would you say to them
1: um Don't lose too much sleep because there are people there that can help you. But (laughs) if you're a client planner, your employer is legally obliged to report on carbon emissions.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, certainly in the UK since 2016 and globally under different uh, regulatory um, authorities. So it is coming. Um, It is coming our way. uh, And, (laughs) you know, I'm slightly biased, but you know someone like event decision, we can help you with that. Um, We can help you with the there are so, so many different outcomes from events, especially with the advent of in person and virtual sitting side by side. I just going to try and do this whole thing without saying the word hybrid but there we are. That introduces a whole raft of different variables and something a measurement tool like predict can actually support you a year out. And it it won't just support you in delivering a better event with better eye. It supports you internally with your boss, with your stakeholders.
0: This is the key thing. This
1: is why we are doing it like this. Dear boss, you've given us this much money. There's a reason we're doing it like this. And here is the data to back up that decision
0: yeah yeah it's the it's the getting the buy-in from the internal stakeholders absolutely and and putting the rationale behind why you're making the decisions 100 that's that's my daily job (laughs) (laughs) every single day Um, i'm really intrigued to allow my listeners to find out how they can find out more about you and what you do so if we were going to point them in a direction where can they find out more about you matt
1: uh, very easy Kelly thank you it's www.eventdecision.com so eventdecision all one word com and everything is there and we're very happy to talk through the issues the problems the challenges you have that is why we have those three products each addresses each actually and we haven't gone into that on this podcast there is a specific disaster which I have presided over um, in 25 years that made us think We need to look at that. Um, So we're all familiar with Wi-Fi fallovers, but each product has uh, a story behind it, which we won't go into now because we could be here for a very long time, but they're born out of um, real uh, failure, if you like. Um, And it's a genuine and apparently working now attempt to help event planners make better decisions. That's, we do what we say is on the tin, and it's that simple.
0: Absolutely, I love it. I feel like we need to do another podcast now, where you talk me through these three scenarios around <laughs> what went wrong. <laughs> We've all had them, absolutely. Oh, that. Yeah, but let's,
1: yeah. let's work towards not having any more of them. Yeah, maybe.
0: definitely. Matt, this has been so educational, and I've learned so much, and it just made me think about my my calendar of events going forward um, and around what I can do and what I can do differently. So I'm sure it's done the same for some of our listeners too. So thanks very much for joining us today.
1: It's my pleasure. It's lovely to talk to you, Kelly
0: oh wow, whose brain is whirling right now? There was just so much to think about in that episode, wasn't there? And Matt has given us lots of things to take back to our teams, take back to our employees and our businesses, and go, do you know what? We need to be thinking about these things. I feel like it's gonna be one of those episodes where you probably need to go back and listen again, and there's gonna be some more hidden gems in there for you to take away. And if you have got any questions for Matt, then please do reach out to him because I know he'll be waiting to help you. Likewise, if you wanna get in touch with me, discuss anything, or just tell me how you're enjoying the podcast, then please do. I'm Kelly Fru on all the socials, and you'll find the Events for Breakfast community on Instagram, we are on Twitter, and we are on LinkedIn. Now, please don't forget if you are enjoying the podcast then subscribe on your usual podcast provider and let everybody know about the podcast. Share it, share it. The community is growing so, so much. Really hope you've enjoyed today and found it valuable. I am back next week with another super guest who I know you are going to love. Take care of yourselves and see you soon.